So welcome everybody to another episode of Mover. And we're talking here uh, with Pat Irvine. Uh, great to have Pat. Pat's, uh, we're very lucky to have Pat on the show, giving us some great insight into the commercial real estate industry, the construction industry, and how things have changed over the months. So, Pat, um, great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming. Um, good to see you. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks, Pat. So we're going to start, mate, with a little bit on your background. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Los Angeles, California. And you... you you're in Los Angeles now. Have you been there your entire life? Did you live elsewhere? No, I left uh, LA in 65 and went to Orange County for three years where I worked at Disneyland huh. and, and uh, lived in Newport Beach and did other jobs along with that. And then in 68, uh, moved to Florida and lived in Florida and was involved in the construction of Walt Disney World. Oh, wow. And uh, while, while in Florida, I lived in the Disney World site, of course. And then I also lived down in Tampa for a short time building uh, steam engines uh, for the railroad for Disneyland, Disney World and some ferry boats for Disney World. That's a that's a quite a bunch of movement going back many years. Uh, how was Orange County back in 1965? It was wonderful. I had a two bedroom house with a garage, single family home, uh, a block from the bay and a block from the beach on the peninsula. And it oh. was $135 a month. Oh my goodness. Hard to imagine now. So that tells you, and my wages for weekly wages were $200 a week, oh. made $40 a day, and that was plenty of money to do everything. That's so incredible. It was. So the, how long had Disney been in operation then in, uh, in the mid-1960s when you went and worked there? Well, Disney started Disneyland in 65, I'm uh, 55. So it'd only been in operation 10 years at that point. Yeah, more, yeah. How did you end up getting the job at Disney? Yeah, well, my father worked at uh, WED Enterprises, which was the architectural and design firm for the theme parks that was owned mm -hmm. by Walt Disney. And WED stood for uh, Walter Elias Disney. Uh -huh. And he set up a, his own separate uh, entity, separate from the studio, uh -huh. to design and build the theme parks. Okay, so he set up a separate entity to design and build, and your dad was the architect well, he at was that Walt separate Disney. entity. Well, he ran WED for Walt. He was Walt's right-hand man. Amazing. For that, yeah. And so when you went and worked at Disney, were you in your father's section of WED or were you under a separate no, no, section? No, I worked separate independent. I worked at Disneyland. Okay. I was a ride operator at Disneyland. I drove the jungle boats and the <laughs> boats 
worked in the all the different rides I worked on the the uh, carousel and Fantasyland and Autopia, the little cars, and then the buckets. I worked on the submarines, so you got to work on everything after a few years of being there. That's incredible. Yeah. And so it's, then you went to work at another Disney location. That Was that Disney World then at that point? Well, what happened was when I started off as a ride operator, I saw they were doing construction there during the day at Disneyland. And I wasn't making enough money as a ride operator because I had a wife and a child. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I got a job in construction and the, got in the carpenters union and worked for the general contractor who worked at Disneyland. So through so, knowing people, I was able to get that job. And so I worked as a carpenter in the daytime. And then at nighttime, I worked on the rides. When so, they, when they were and that was, the and the rides were Disney World? This is the late no, 1960s? Disney, no, this is all Disneyland. Oh, Disneyland, you, okay. Yeah. So Disneyland you was, was where you were part of the yeah. Carpenters Union as well. Yeah. And so, but you said in 1968, you went to Florida, right? Yeah, after getting in construction and finding out they were going to build this whole new Disney World, I yep. was excited to try to get involved in that early on. Mm -hmm. And I was able to get moved down there and got hired by the contractor I was working for, which was J.B. Allen Construction Company. They were the prime contractor at Walt Disney World and moved down there and went to work for them. And then Disney fired J.B. Allen Construction in the middle of the process because they huh. caught them with their hand in the cookie jar and they took all the people that were of value and put them on Disney's payroll, which was Buena Vista Construction Company. And we all worked for Buena Vista Construction Company. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So this was the beginning of the building of Disney World then when you were down there. Yeah, 1968. It's incredible. And then we opened Disney World in October of 1971. So the first phase to get open was uh, from about 67. I got there in 68 to mm -hmm. 71. So in, you were there in October of 71 when they opened Disney World? Uh, yeah. And how long did you stay there for then? I stayed there till 76. So there was another five years from the opening. What yeah. happened that, What happened from 71 to 76? Well, we built a lot of other attractions around the uh, property. There was 27,500 acres and they built golf courses and homes and they had a whole city called Lake Buena Vista. Huh. And Lake Buena Vista, I moved down there and worked on that development. So I was involved, I was construction manager and by that point. I had worked my way up to hmm. a better position of Lake Buena Vista communities, which was a 4,000 acre development within the 27,000 acres. Wow. So when you began at Disney in Six, I'm saying it began at Disney in Florida in 68. You were still, your background was as the carpenter and then you moved into other forms of construction, correct? As, as the yeah, times yeah. progressed. When I, when I got to Disney World, I was uh, 
got involved in the surveying of the property and spent six months getting all the survey done right. And, and, and on the 27,000 acres, we had to put in permanent monuments. So I spent that much time in a Land Rover going through the swamp. Putting, oh my gosh. Yeah, permanent monuments. It was quite an ordeal. You know, Disney had that land in Florida, which obviously in that area was very flat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a lot of water and a lot of... Uh, uh, civil work to accomplish the building of the theme park. They actually had to build the theme park up 16 feet of fill in order to build the park on top of it and get the tunnels underneath. So they built the lake in front and they took all that dirt that they took out of the lake in order to create a lake to build, put on the theme park. So they were moving dirt 24 hours a day, seven days a week for couple of years. Amazing. So how did we, what did you move from, you stayed as a carpenter there for how long? Two years? Then well, what? You know, when I got down there, they didn't, my carpentry was over. Yep. And I was working as a project coordinator and oh, okay. I, for Alan and I was doing uh, inspection on the general contractors that were hired to do the gotcha. work. So I worked as a as a uh, project coordinator and to overview the uh, quality control of the c- contractors that were there. This is where it really began. Then this is where you yeah. moved from going and doing carpentering to actually becoming a project supervisor and understanding, really getting your hands on the ins and outs of building and construction. Right. The construction industry. Now, your dad, was he still at Disneyland in California during all of this? No, they, he was at WED. No, he... I he mean WED, I mean. Sorry, yeah. was he still out in California, though, during all yeah, of this? They, they were based in California, but they came to Florida for trips. Okay. Yeah, Disney had bought five homes on uh, Lake Butler, which was part of a Arnold Palmer development called Bay Hill mm-hmm. and they would come and stay there and visit the park and have meetings at that higher level. When you say Disney bought it, was that Walt Disney himself or Disney Corporation? Oh, Disney Corporation. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they would buy it. And then the Disney execs would stay there and then they would come and visit the site. So the uh-huh. ar- architects and Imagineers, it, it, it ended, Wed Enterprises ended up becoming Walt Disney Imagineering, and that's what it is today. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. So did you get to meet Walt during this time? Many times. You did? Yeah, but I met Walt when I was young. My dad, we would go over to his house on a Sunday and ride on a train and, and hang out in his backyard. No kidding. Yeah. How but, was that? It was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I was a child. I didn't yeah. know much about who he was. Do you, and so by the mid sixties, you were now working as a young adult. Was he, were you still, did well, you get it, to communicate well, with him then? No, I, I, Walt was ill. And I don't think Walt, by the time I started Disney world, Walt had passed. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I forget That's the year sad. he died, but. Yeah. 
but I knew his brother Roy well and got to communicate with him. Oh, you did know his brother pretty well. Yeah, Roy Disney. And he and was he was the engineer. He wasn't an engineer, but he he engineered the financing of Walt Disney World. And when it opened, it was debt free, which was a big accomplishment. Oh yeah, yeah. So you remained friend, pretty friendly, and good friends with Roy Disney through the through the balance well, of I your. Mean, we we knew he knew me, and I knew him, but I wouldn't say we were friends. Yeah. Okay. You would... And then Roy passed, you know. Yeah. No. So what brought you back to LA after this? Well, it's a long story, so I'll make it short. After, <laughs> after I finished with Disney, I moved to Atlanta. Yep. And from Atlanta, I had a very short stay. I went to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And then from Tennessee, I went back to, I did a project in Tennessee and uh, was a project manager on a large job uh, and left Tennessee and went back to San Diego, California with the company I was working for out of Atlanta, mm -hmm. uh, architectural and design firm called Harry, Harry and Harry. Mm -hmm. And Harry and Harry sent me to San Diego to do business development for construction management and wanted to sell that in the marketplace in California where they'd sold it other places. They had done some wow. work on Disney and that's how I had that met that relationship and was your was your dad still around with wed during all of this oh no, my dad died in 76 i think okay yeah he passed so yes. anyway so i i went with harry to san diego yep and then i stayed with them about a year down there in san diego and then i left them and uh went to work for a developer in san diego manchester uh -huh. and and worked for him and built the Torrey Pines Business and Research Park at Scripps with a Torrey Club. Uh -huh. And when I got done with Manchester, uh, I had moved to LA and gone to work for a Canadian company called Cadillac Fairview. And okay. so that's how I got back to LA. Yeah, so you're back to LA working with Cadillac. Had the, but the projects, the type of work that you're doing, the projects that you're doing have changed now, right? From yeah, theme park to more yeah. commercial type, traditional commercial development or business development for commercial businesses, correct? Right. We're, well, we're, we started building high rises in LA, Cadillac Fairview did. They had two divisions, one that did industrial, one did high-rise uh, office, and I worked in the urban high-rise office division. Okay. And was responsible for the construction of their high-rises, and they were building in Los Angeles, Oakland, and Seattle. Wow. Okay. So I, worked, I worked in all those areas. This is quite a story, Pat. I didn't know all this. Well, it's very interesting. So going into the high rises, was this anything that really stood out for you as, a ch as you change from going from theme bar parks into high rises? Was the, yeah, the, it, was a it was a technical uh, challenge to learn all the ins and outs of the technical aspects of a high rise, which is completely different uh -huh. than low rise. Yeah. And it would have been pretty interesting, the whole process. 
Oh yeah, you learn a lot. And you were excited to be back in LA working on these high rises? Not necessarily. You had enjoyed it being down I in Florida. Lived, I had lived in San Diego, which was very nice. Yep. And I had lived in San Francisco also in that process. And then I came back to LA. Yeah, you really, they really bounced you around there. Yeah. So going forward. I've, I've been in LA since 1980. Yeah, that's so a lot. It took, it took me from 65 when I left to 80 to get back. And now I'm back in LA in 1980. And I haven't left. I've been here since then. That's amazing. Have you wanted to leave? Uh, doesn't everybody? <laughs> that's a tough question, I know. Um, so back since 1980, you'd seen a lot as it relates to the changes. Of course, we're going all over the US and with things, but in LA and Orange County, you've seen a lot of changes since 1980. What would you say would be the most from a construction aspect can you think of any of some of the most significant changes you've seen between then and now? Well, I think the cost of construction has gone extremely out of whack. Yeah. Gotten very expensive. And that's due to the dollar devaluation, I think, if you yeah. look at it that way. Yeah. Uh, so everything's very expensive. Uh, technology has changed and changed construction forever because we have the ability to 3d model everything now yeah. we never had that ability before so, so does that make projects quicker the ability to 3d model or just more i think it 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 could make them quicker yep but it but it does get rid of it finds mistakes and gets them corrected ahead of time so gotcha. they're not found in the fields if it's done properly Yes. You know, you have to have good operators of that uh, computer models to make sure they understand how to build a building when they're doing the input. Otherwise, you could end up with problems. Okay. So a lot of changes, technology coming into the scene. What about the type of projects that are being built in terms of high rises, low rises, the type of construction have you seen significant changes there or not as much? No, I don't think so. I think it's, I think the codes have changed over the years. So they're building stronger buildings that withstand the heavier earthquakes. Yep. And energy wise, Title 24, they're building more efficient uh, buildings energy wise. They're mm -hmm. building tighter buildings and they're building buildings that will have a longer lifespan. Yes, gotcha. Yeah. So of this, which is pretty fascinating going back through this whole process, are there any recently completed projects that you've been involved in that you could share with us recently in the last, say, I don't know, because you've got so many projects here in your background. Are there any over the last five or 10 years that really stand out for you? Well, the Vermont stands out. That was a, a big accomplishment. We built two towers and a bunch of parking and retail. Mm -hmm. And we were, we built and it was 464 units plus amenities, gym, pool, 
and heavily landscaped and, and garden areas and a fantastic piece of art, public art that hangs on Wilshire Boulevard. And that building was done in 21 months. Wow. That's so, very, so those interested in knowing construction, that's a very quick time frame for this kind of project. Yeah, that was a record, a record. I don't know if it could be duplicated because the time was perfect in the marketplace to get the best people because there wasn't much work at the time we built it. It was coming off the recession of 08. Yes. We were able to put together a good team of people and it just, it just happened to click. That's incredible. So today, no chance, no, no way that would be getting replicated today. Finding the people today would be almost yeah. impossible. Be a difficult task. Wow. So that shows, and the Vermont, uh, you said two towers, 464 units. How, how high, how many, um, how, how high, how many stories was that project? You know, I forget the exact, I think it was 29 and 26. What, very high. Something like that, yeah. But uh, so they sat on top of a podium. So they sat on top of a four level garage and then the towers came up. Anyway, it was a beautiful project. Yeah. So during doing that project, what was, as you got to completion, what, what were the, in terms of some of the things that stood out for you uh, in that process? Well, I mean, as far as the product itself or? As far as the product and also the process of dealing with the cities and the people that were, that you had that were really good on the project. What was? Yeah, I think everybody came together and got it finished and we had sold the project uh, and some group came along and wanted to buy it and mm -hmm. they made us an offer that was quite substantial. So we decided to sell it and yes. uh, to get it perfect to where they would accept it. That was yes. a little bit of a challenge. What were some of the, what were the little challenges there to get it perfect? Well, just going through every unit and making sure that it was correct. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. So. Quite interesting. And I'd say that would be a landmark project even today. Correct. Yeah. yeah it's a landmark project. Yeah. That's very special. And congratulations. Can you share the address? Are you able to share the address of Vermont? On It's on Wilshire, I remember, but I don't recall the address. Corner of Wilshire and Vermont. Corner of Wilshire and Vermont. There you go. Right well, for those interested in driving by it, if they're in the LA area, Corner of Wilshire and Vermont yeah. is a very special project developed and built by you. So, um, Pat, this is a fabulous background with everything. There's so many more questions too, but can you think of just a, we'll wrap up with just a couple of quick questions here. Is there, you mentioned the Vermont over the years, uh, is there any other project that you would say you're most proud of in terms of your, your involvement in that project? Oh boy, that's a hard question. <laughs> Sorry to ask the tough questions. Well, that's a, I mean, that I'm, that I'm, 
you know what that you're I, most proud of because you, you you're really proud of what was accomplished on that you mentioned obviously the vermont here are there any other projects maybe well, that you would say I, that you would be most proud of what was accomplished yeah i think i was very proud of the one in tennessee uh that we accomplished and i was proud of the one in hawaii that we accomplished can you tell me tell us just briefly about those two projects yeah, well, when we took over the project, we were given a, a, a problem to solve. And the problem was that the project was to be built for $35 million. Well, just sorry to interrupt you, Pat. When you took over, when you say the project, is that the Tennessee project? Yeah, Tennessee. Yep. Was to be built for $35 million and all the budgets, all the bids that came in were $44 million. No, oh, boy. Lowest number, so... We took on the task of solving the problem to get it within budget. And the way we did that was extensive, but we ended up, the result was that we brought it in for 30700000 and left them the contingency to the $35 million so they could finish the job and be within budget. Oh, that's incredible. And that, was, and that was a big accomplishment. And we did that by redesigning it took six months to get it back to that point and get it bid and have it ready to be awarded to a contractor. So that, that was a big accomplishment. Sure was. Yeah. And what about the, you mentioned Hawaii? Yeah, Hawaii was the same thing. It was a budget problem of, they were getting prices for 25, 26 million and their budget was 19 million. <laughs> so I went in there and, and they had a tough, they had a Nike as a client and mm -hmm. it needed to get, it needed to meet that number. So we redesigned it and rebid it and awarded it and built it ourselves by awarding the contracts directly to the owner uh, and not having a general build it, but building it on a construction management basis. And yep. we got it done for 19.8. Was that common at the time or was that rather unique not to award that? Yeah. Not these are all innovative ways that, to do uh, problems and fix them. Yeah, that is fabulous. So um, this really is fascinating. We've got lots I could still ask questions on. One of the last questions or I'd, I'd like to know from your perspective is, uh, have you seen, what would you say would be the most significant changes uh, over the last 12 months within the industry and what are the biggest challenges uh, you see as it relates to these issues? Well, I think in the last 12 months, we've seen the economy shut down. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been an impact. Construction has kept going in that process mm -hmm. and it's delayed and hurt the construction delivery uh, due to the COVID. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it's hurt the office, commercial office market, uh, the commercial retail market. It's increased the housing market from a, a cost standpoint. The prices have gone up. Interest is low. Uh, and uh, it'll be an interesting trip or, or journey to see how we come out of this yeah and and i think life has changed 
forever because a lot of companies have figured out they don't need the office space that they had and they're able to work from wherever they are location-wise and it's going to change the uh, markets i think yeah this is a lot of people saying that too just that last topic there on the changing the way off people are working with offices and changing the remote mindset do you believe that's changed for good now i do so if you're going to build office you've got a new challenge if you're going to be an office developer of office space today you have a whole new challenge on how you think of the type of tenant you're going to attract yeah i don't think i I can't imagine how it's going to survive. I think there'll be a big conversion of office space to housing. So oh, there's an interesting viewpoint. They have a major office that's not doing well, not performing. And I think they'll start converting if they're able to get through the zoning and, and the challenges to yes. get it converted. I think they would like to convert it to residential residential because you see you still see rents increasing or or, or residential for sale product when with well, housing no, prices I, for rents i don't know about rents increasing they always go up no matter what yeah. never stop but i think i i'm a firm believer that that you can't just sit with vacant office you have to yep. re, reposition it and recreate it yeah so you could either tear it down depending on the age of it and build something new, or you could uh, adaptive reuse it. Yeah, that's, um, that is, well, there's, there's quite a, um, there's, there's quite a story there with everything going on and how things that change from one to the other and the yeah. adaptive reuse and uh, Pat, so many things there. You know, I think Americans are very innovative on how to adapt and, and create to meet the market needs. And I think they'll, they'll do that. I think you'll see a whole new slew of, of uh, product types that aren't there now that could change how people live and work. Yeah. It'll take a, you know, a period of five to 10 years for it to, come come about but i think it would i think we're in its infancy and it's going to start i i think the days of the big malls are over the uh, big malls are over and yeah. the in replaced with shopping online yeah incredible yeah people aren't people want to go out and socialize but because of the COVID, they're not and i don't know if they'll ever go back for a while i think they're going to be spooked even when it is safe to go. Even to when it is safe and the vaccine or whatever else is out there to yeah. allow people back, they don't want to go back. And if you're in your 30s, 20s and 30s and 40s, yeah. even 50s, you're going to be buying online. Yeah. It's so convenient. As long as you know the product you want and there's no reason to go to the store and do it and pay that overhead of rent that retailer has to pay, you get a better price and they buy online and that's how the world's working today incredible pat i am gonna i gotta thank you for taking the time here this has been incredible there's so many more questions we want to ask but 
you know, I know you, how busy you are. So I want to thank you now for coming on our podcast. All right. Well, thank you. And so for the, our pleasure and so those, everyone listening, please subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Mover Inc. That's M-U-V-A-I-N-C. You can also reach out if you're interested in with so many questions. And if you have further questions or discussion, you could reach out to Pat Irvine at p.irvine, I-R-V-I-N-E, at jhsnyder.net. That's jhsnyder.net. Until then, thanks for, thanks for tuning in. See you next time and keep moving. <laughs>